This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Coming soon from HRN, this is Cooking in Mexican from A to Z. I'm your host, Aaron Sanchez. And I'm Sarela Martinez. Throughout this podcast series, we're going to touch upon some of the most iconic ingredients of Mexico. From avocados to zucchini and everything in between, we'll share the stories, the techniques, the flavor principles, and the fun of cooking in Mexican. And we will be joined by our friends and colleagues who will help us deeply explore a single ingredient in each episode. The leaves here in New England are starting to change, and cooler weather is upon us. With the start of fall comes a new season of food podcasts here at HRN. You just heard a clip from Cooking in Mexican from A to Z, which will debut soon. Today's show is jam-packed with sneak peeks into our newest series. We'll journey across the United States and around the world with amazing chefs, entrepreneurs, and a former state senator. Each show is dedicated to representing a unique and rich corner in the world of food. We'll learn about the influences of Midwestern cuisine, then travel south to explore the origins of soul food. We'll cross the border to Mexico to learn about the production of agave spirits. Lastly, we'll consider the importance of African representation in food media. So grab your map and compass because this episode will be quite the journey. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler and this is Meat and Three. Meat and three. Meat and three. Meat and three. One meat, three sides. Food, news, and storytelling. A square meal for your ears. Meat and three. You won't want to just fly over our first podcast feature. Stop and take a bite out of this vivid exploration of Midwestern foodways and cultures. In Eat Your Heartland Out, the Honorable Capri Cafaro, a former state senator and proud Ohioan, shows us just how misleading the label flyover country is. Through rich accounts of immigration and culinary traditions, Capri demonstrates Midwesterners' universal ability to adapt to new circumstances. Hear from chefs, historians, anthropologists, and authors as they tell the story of Midwestern food ranging from Scandinavian lutefisk in Minnesota to Iraqi and Chaldean restaurants in Detroit and the evolution of the Amish kitchen. Here's an excerpt from Capri's interview with Yia Vang, a chef of Hmong descent, whose cooking honors his ancestors from Western China while adapting to the Midwestern palate. Currently, he calls the twin cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis home, where he set up his restaurant, Union Hmong Kitchen. I don't think a lot of folks are as familiar with the Hmong population, so I'd really like you to give us some insight. Yeah, so the Twin Cities area has the largest, most dense Hmong population in the United States. Everyone in the Hmong community, we always joke that St. Paul is like the Hmong capital of the world. <laughs> so when they do big like New Year festivals, like a lot of people will fly in here. So it's kind of like the hub for Hmong culture. But lately, a lot of Hmong people have been kind of moving out to more of the Midwest farmland areas. So Arkansas, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, Tulsa, Ohio, there's a small community in Akron. Hmong people, we're, we're agricultural people. So we love working farm. We love working the land. The Hmong people, our heritage, our lineage can be traced back to Western China. The Chinese back in the day, historians and Hmong art anthropologists have learned that back in the day, they would call them the Miao people. And that word Miao 
gets translated to as sons of the soil. You know, my great, 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 great grandfathers, our ancestors, they would always work the land. Their whole thing is let's work the land. Whatever we're on, we can work the land. And the word sons of the soil was actually a derogatory term, but they kind of wore it with pride, you know? And I love that. I love that to know where I'm from, to know that this blood that pumps through the vein of my great, great, great grandfather who worked the soil in the land in the hills of China, that's the same blood that pumps through my vein. And I love to that. to me, that's, that's the Midwest mentality. Like, that's why I love the Midwest. I love the Midwest because we have this kind of like never quit attitude. Like people who moved out to the Midwest, it wasn't because there was this thriving metropolis of culture. It was, we're going to go, we're going to work the land. You know, Midwest, blue collar. That's my father and my mother in a nutshell. I saw on your website that it says that the aim of Union Kitchen is to marry Midwestern traditions with those from back home in South and Eastern Asia to bring Hmong flavors to American palates. And I want you to you know, expand upon this. Yeah. What are these Hmong flavors yeah. and how do you adapt them to American palates? So what I tell people is this, that within Union Hmong Kitchen, what we always say is every dish has a narrative. You follow that dish long enough and close enough, you get to the people behind the food. And once you're there, it's actually not about food. It's about people. That food is a catalyst into cultivating great relationships. So the Hmong people is we never had a land of our own. We never had like our country. We never had a flag. We never had an anthem. We, we didn't have any of this. We, would, we were indigenous people that would travel from place to place. The reason, and when my father told me this, the reason that we always travel from different places to different places is because wherever the good soil is, wherever the good land is, that's where we went. And a lot of times the Hmong people were hated on because they were kind of this outcast group. So we always ended up in the mountains. But being in the mountains, we were able to find ways to grow crops and, and to work on the sides of the hills of the mountain. And so the Hmong people, wherever we've been, we always glean from the cultures that were around us. We always glean from the people that were around us. And we would take what we learned and then we would forge that in, into our culture so that we could build a platform so the next generation could build upon it. Now, when I when, when we talk about the Midwest flavors, for example, here in the Midwest, man, we have harsh winters, you know. What's, what's our growing season? Maybe four months? five if, if, if it's a good year, right? The rest of the month, a lot of the vegetables that we get to use here in the Midwest are root vegetables. So we incorporated a lot of root vegetables into our food. We use techniques and flavors from the Hmong culture, but we're using ingredients, produce and product from this area. You know, so it's like working with great pork, working with great beef, working with, you know, with very seasonal vegetables. And again, like I said, we work with a lot of root vegetables. So being Hmong doesn't mean you're confined to a certain kind of food. It's whatever's around you. If you're interested in learning more about the Midwest and its foodways, or are a Midwesterner trying to convince your friends of the region's unsung glory, listen to Eat Your Heartland Out wherever you listen to podcasts. Meet us in the kitchen for our next feature, Soul by Todd Richards. In this new podcast, the acclaimed chef and author, also one of HRN's newest board members, embarks on a journey to bridge the gap from the general perception of soul food, which was once considered to be only about fried chicken, to the heights of American fine dining. From the south side of Chicago to downtown Atlanta, Richards is on a mission to educate the world about the rich history of American soul food. To give you a taste, we'll zoom in on a conversation between Todd Richards and fellow restaurant owner Jerry Slater as they discuss food, music, and the true meaning of soul. Food has always been that linchpin of discussion. 
or music has always been that linchpin of discussion between you know yourself, uh, myself, and all our friends and family. But what I don't think that people really understand is the intersection of food and and music per se. Outside of what they might think, but we understand where juke joints came from from history. We understand where chicken and waffle comes from throughout history. Uh, we understand how Vegas nightclubs uh, or the Vegas steakhouses came out of history because there is no place to eat gourmet food after midnight in Vegas. You know, during those time periods. And how did that intersection of food and music? Uh, how did you develop that? You know, and, and come across that because it seems uh, as natural uh, to you as it does to me. I like lowbrow and highbrow. You and I are a lot the same way that that way. You know, um, we just celebrated my wife's birthday at your new restaurant, uh, Lake and Oak. Shameless plug. Um, but, you know, there ain't, no, ain't no shame in that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. We did it with uh, with ribs and champagne. You know, like you should. And I think there's always been a kind of. I don't know. You know, once I get into something, I want to know everything about it, um, whether it's coffee or barbecue. And not everybody owns the whole story of everything. You know, you and I have had conversations about this. You're an amazing barbecue chef, but you're also uh, the best sushi cutter I've ever had. So, um, you know, where, where does one end and where does one begin? Well, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I, I would say that if I had to answer, um, there might be more uh, delicious restaurants around the world, but I don't know if I can quantify that answer, but I'm going to keep on trying to figure out. Whether you're a seasoned soul veteran or have never eaten a pork chitlin, this podcast will have something for everyone. Soul by Todd Richards is coming soon to HRN and will be available wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be right back with more Meat and 3 after a short break. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to Meet and Three. We're all yearning for the open road these days, so don't miss your seat on the road trip of a lifetime. 
For our next highlight, we're hitting the pavement with Agave Road Trip. The podcast that helps educate gringo bartenders about agave in rural Mexico. That's Lou Bank, founder of Sacred Agave, an organization that supports and promotes the rural communities that produce agave spirits. Don't shoot it, sip it. Don't shoot it, sip it. <laughs> Please, guys. And that's co-host Chava Beriban out of Mexico City. He's an advocate for sustainable everything production, including agave spirits. Together, they embark on spirit-filled road trips into the heart of Mexico. Throughout the show, our hosts draw on stories, travel tips, and insights into the world of mezcal. Now, the million-dollar question... What is agave? Well, it's uh, it's succulent. Technically, mm-hmm. it's this plant that has evolved to live in extremely harsh environments. So has deserts. Been, yes, arid, arid environments. Arid primarily. environments. Yes, and it has evolved to not lose water during the day, so it doesn't breathe during the day. It only you're looking at me back. like you're about to- every episode. Lou and Chava detail a new step in the production of mezcal, from the first harvest to the first drink. This particular segment details the process that happens between fermentation and aging, separation. How do you how do you distill, how do you separate the water from the alcohol to turn it from a 4% alcohol by volume to a 40%? It's actually a very simple process. Just basically certain types of alcohols like ethanol, methanol, and other types have a different evaporation temperature. A, a boiling point. Boil, a boiling point. Thank you very much sure. for correcting my Spanglish. Uh, <laughs> Throughout the series, Lou and Chava spotlight agave producers and small business owners that invest in their communities and revitalize deep-rooted Mexican artisanship. People don't really know why do we care about agave spirits. Yeah. Why do we care? It's funny. And I, well, I care about the people who make agave spirits. Not only do Lou and Chava cover game-changing mezcaleros in rural Mexico, but they also distill the best funky travel tips from their adventures, ranging from tortilla etiquette to... How do you not have explosive diarrhea all the time? I do sometimes, unfortunately, but I have it less than most people that haven't lived there. And I think that after many, many, many years of being there, you create certain strategies around yourself. Like there's certain red flags and, and green flags that you try to follow. Just like a Are there yellow of, flags as well? Just go slowly. Yeah, it's, it's like the sea, man. Yeah. Is that like there's never certainty that you're not going to drown. But... <laughs> For more about agave, mezcal, and the cultural flavors of a Mexican road trip, tune in to season two of Agave Road Trip, linked in the episode notes. Lastly, we'll travel overseas with Item 13, an African food podcast. This series is new to the Heritage Radio Network lineup, but joins us with an existing catalog of 40 episodes. This show illuminates Africa's rich food scenes and was recently featured in Food and Wine. While exploring the world of podcasts, I realized that, one, there were very few podcasts with people of African descent discussing relevant topics for us, and two, There was no podcast covering the world of African food, which is something that I'm really passionate about clearly and inspired by. So I decided to start the podcast to provide a platform for all the hardworking African foodpreneurs out there. That's Yorm Akuaku discussing why she started Item 13. The title pays homage to her West African roots. The number 13 is from Ghanaian slang Item 13, which means refreshments or snacks typically served at the end of a meeting. And it's also the inspiration for the name of this podcast. Item 13 opens the door for food storytelling and conversation. Recently, Yorm spoke with Vani Williams, a first-generation Ghanaian-American food writer. 
Vani wrote the profile about Yorm and Item 13 in Food and Wine. In episode 31, Vani reflects on the lack of African representation in food media. She also explains her work trying to dismantle the idea of Africa being coded as one thing, especially when it comes to food. During the episode, Vani laments the generalization of her food culture. She shares why she recently chose to spotlight the Ghanaian dish fufu in an article for Taste magazine, as opposed to jollof rice, which more people are familiar with. Sometimes as Africans, we tend to accommodate other people instead of standing yeah. strong in what we believe in in our food. And so I didn't want to do jollof. I'm just like, there's so much more to our food and our culture than jollof. Even in Ghana, Ghana is a relatively small country, but there's so many ethnic groups that cook so many different kinds right. of food. Then why are we just talking about jollof, you know? Lately, Vani has noticed that Western food trends are starting to resemble techniques that have been used in Africa for centuries. I'm starting to appreciate my food a lot more just for the labor of it because... Right. Everything that people think is cool now, farm to table, you know, picking up, you know, the lettuce from the ground and putting it in a salad. That's what we do back at home. In episode 33, Yorm spoke with Eden Hagos, a celebrated host, food writer, and founder of the blog Black Foodie, who noticed something similar. Yeah, there are all these things that are like health trends now that are just a natural part of like the way Africans prepare food. Yeah. You know, like I'm curious about. Essentially, I feel like a lot of, you know, African and Caribbean food has been overlooked for quite some time yeah. by other communities, not necessarily us, but by other communities. And now people are starting to look to us, you know, and I think um, especially with like, you know, trends towards eating healthier and towards superfoods. Now people are curious about these things that come out of Africa. like Item 13 has grown into a platform that amplifies African food stories from around the world. Reminding us all... Africa is a place of innovation. It's a place of beauty. It's a place of intelligence. Here's what Yorm has to say about the upcoming episodes. This season, my goal is to focus on more stories outside of English-speaking West Africa. So you'll hear stories from Benin, from Uganda, Liberia, and even Haiti. You will also hear us discuss the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement and how COVID-19 has impacted some of the businesses featured on the show. To hear more from Vani, Eden, and Yorm, listen to episode 31 and 33 of Item 13, an African food podcast on HRN. Links to these episodes and the food and wine feature can be found in our show notes. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to Item 13 to be notified when new episodes air. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Special thanks this week to Armin Spengen, Ryder Bell, Seth Hartman, Sydney Sims, Matan Dubnikov, Alicia Chan, Karina Peña-Andreatos, and Caroline Fox. Meet and 3 is produced by Hannah Forden, Matt Patterson, Kat Johnson, Dylan Hoyer, and me, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Meet and 3 is powered by Simplecast. Meet and 3 is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And please stay in touch. Whether you have a story idea or would just like to say hey, 
write us at ideas at meetn3.nyc. That's all spelled out.